Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's Raising the Vibration on the Live Paranormal Radio Network and iHeartRadio.com. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a 28-year talk radio host. I'm a creative and performing artist. And I come to you live from my home in Southern California every Wednesday at 3 o'clock Pacific time. This show is an outreach of a nonprofit movement of peace and love and kindness and unity that I started in 2016, really to carry on my mom's teachings after she had passed called RaisingTheVibration.org. And if that movement's cornerstones are peace and love and kindness and unity, then this show is really about ascension, involvement, inspiration, and love. Basically, what are you doing to raise your own vibration? What is your place in the world? What is your passion? What is your service? How is that leading to your overall involvement? And then most importantly, what are you doing with those things to inspire others? and to throw a lot of love into the world and make it a better place. That's what we talk about on this show. Every week I gather folk that I believe to be the brightest and the loveliest and the most beautiful minds and hearts and souls in all of my communities, the entertainment community, the spiritual community, the paranormal community, the world of give back. And we talk about what are we doing to make the world a better place? How are we putting our own gifts and talents into service to make everything better for everyone. So my guest today is wonderfully talented, a performer, an advocate, an activist, um, a person of faith, all these things. I learn more and more about her all the time. We recently were guests together, well, on a show that I co-host between the sheets. She was our guest, and I was just so blown away with her that I, I think I stalked her to get her here. Um, uh, and you know, and I and I, and I should use the proper pronouns because I, Robin, are you now using the wonderful Robin Tyler's here? Robin, are you now using they them? No. No. She. What do you use? What do you like? You use she. Okay, that's what I, I thought. That was what I did. I thought in between well, the sheets you had said something different. No, no, no. I, I, I I'm a butch. I'm basically non-binary. But uh, basically, you know, I've been a feminist all my life, and so I'm very yeah. proud of being a woman and, you know, she is, when you say they, you know, if I say, like, if you invite me for dinner and I say they, you may think two people are coming. So I'm very, (laughs) (laughs) or six. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, I'm exactly like you. So I'm an, I'm an intersex person. So I guess genetically I'm non-binary and I have absolutely no problem with that, but I am also a feminist and I'm so proud to be a part of, of the female world. And I, I feel like, um, you know, I'm I'm such a defender of women's rights and such an advocate for that. I don't I just I just don't have any urge to switch over. I'm I'm perfectly happy being a she her, although I know on the inside I'm just whatever. And that's okay too, because right. being a spiritual person, I think our souls are pretty much not gendered. 
So I understand we do that on the earth, but I think on the inside, we're all a mixture of divine feminine, divine masculine, and that's beautiful. Yes, I agree. I agree. And I was very fascinated because I know how talented you are as a performer, and I know how brilliant you are um, as an activist and an advocate for your communities. But one thing I didn't know until we were on Between the Sheets together was that you said, I believe, that above all things, you consider yourself to be a Jewish person. Yes, I do. Because, you know, uh, Jews are 2% of the population in the United States, but we're 50% of the religious hate crimes. And so, and I also, I'm 81 years old. I was born uh, during the war, the World War II, and when it was over, I distinctly remember it, even though I was a child, everybody crying and everything. It's one of my first memories. And so I do identify as being Jewish. I think uh, being Jewish is what has stimulated me all of my life to, for be, to being an activist. I, I think that's beautiful. Some of my biggest work as an interfaith minister is to help people to realize that you don't have to give up the faith that you love in order to expand your horizons and and be something else. That it makes me so sad. One of the saddest things in the world to me, one of the main reasons that I wanted to be a pastor at Sounders MCC was that it makes me so sad when people in the queer community feel like because they are gay, lesbian, bi, trans, intersex, plus, they no longer can like anything about the faith that they grew up in, or they're not allowed well, to have any faith at all. I, I don't blame them because uh, a religion has been used as a battering ram uh, for gay people. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it, you know, they were told they were sick, and, and religion, science told them they were sick. Religion told them told us we were sinful, and and yeah. even today, religion, religion, uh, especially uh, the uh, fascist Christianity that's happening among the right wing is used as a battering mm-hmm. ram. Uh, so, yeah. so I understand why they ran from it. You know, the very fr- I remember being Jewish, uh, going to a synagogue, very young, and the women who had cooked all day and ironed the men's clothes and everything, they had to go up the stairs, upstairs, and the men went downstairs. And I thought, how unfair. The women have worked. They should be downstairs if you have to separate them, and the men should be walking upstairs. So basically, I'm not, I, I'm a secular Jew. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. But I don't believe like, yeah. you know, Moses, first of all, Moses parted the water and, and, and the first Jewish, if I had been there, I would have said, is it heated? That's all I want to know. So, uh, so I, I don't believe in that, you know, all the biblical, patriarchal, whatever it is. So when yeah. people run from religion, it's because it's been so bastardized, you know. I agree. I agree, and I and I don't blame them at all. Um, but it makes me sad when they feel like maybe they're not a part of any kind, like God doesn't love them, or they can't be a part of any kind of spirituality because of that. Um, right. Well, because right, God God is dog spelled backwards. So, and we know how you know. I think. I mean, the whole point is um, uh, that every. I don't believe on the top of the intelligence chain. When you go and you see mountains and you see nature and you see uh, all the wonderful things that, you know, that uh, this whole, it came from somewhere and, it, and we didn't invent yeah. it. 
But wherever it came from, it doesn't matter to me. The point is not to destroy it. I think you're following in uh, uh, faith's footsteps if you're trying to save, you know, if, if you're living a, 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 I don't know how to say it, but um, a respectful life, respectful of nature, respectful of each yeah. other. But the word religion in itself, I can't stand the word because of what it's, it, it does to people. Yeah, I agree. I much prefer faith. I think it's a more beautiful word because to uh-huh. me, faith means you've kind of carved out your own spiritual palette of the things right. that resonate with you, and that's perfectly right. okay. And then if you still want to identify as Jewish or Christian or whatever you want, I don't want anybody to feel like they have to throw out every childhood good memory they ever had with the bad memories, and I never want anyone to feel like they don't belong somewhere. But I think what we're meant to do is to carve out the things that mean something to us, to find our own way to God, whether it's nature, you know, for some people it's the ocean, for some people it's music or theater. When I'm in a church growing up as an actor, for me, uh, uh, theaters are church, comedy clubs are church. All the places in my life where I have gathered to help to heal people, to me, all those places are churches. Well, and you, you know, a lot of times when you're backstage, like at the comedy store, whether they believe or not, the last, first thing they say when they're walking on stage is, oh, God, I hope I'm funny tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. God, please help me not to suck. Right. That's right. That's Absolutely right. true. Uh, uh-huh. I, my, my most controversial routine that I've ever done the only you'd think it would be the I, I put out an album in '78 called "Always a Bridesmaid, Never a Groom," which was the story of my life as a as a as a huh. lesbian, and it's a it's the first it's in the Smithsonian now, but it's all about coming out to my mother and all. And you'd think that this would have been the most controversial, but it wasn't. The most controversial routine I ever did was the birth of the baby Jesus, where I play Mary, who was a Jewish mother giving birth to a Jewish child. And just painting the whole thing as Jewish, I did this in humor, but just doing the whole thing, it's not making fun of it. It's just making, it's like a Jewish family, right? You know, so, so yeah. uh, like, like when Mary, when, you know, Joseph found the barn, he made, she made him go out and get Lysol and cleanser, and, and he came back and he cleaned and cleaned and cleaned that barn until it was immaculate. And that's how, <laughs> that's this, so that's, that's. <laughs> That's how people got me. That was immaculate regarding the conception. So you see, so I explain how everything happened, but it's controversial because if at all you have humor or you challenge anything that, that may at all interfere with this, this, this ghastly um, uh, blueprint that people have been given, you know, feel guilty, you know, you sin, your little baby, he died for your sins. You're like, what, one, 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 minute old and you're a sinner already that whole thing had to be has yeah. to be changed around it's not spiritual and my most controversial no. and lenny bruce too lenny bruce got arrested not for saying dirty words because red fox and all of the uh, uh people in harlem that did the party records they the, the comics they used dirty words lenny bruce got arrested because he challenged the cast yeah he- yeah Did I lose you? Did lose you.
Hang on, everybody. We're getting Robin back. That's what happens when you talk about the Catholic Church. (laughs) Okay, here we go. We're getting her back right now. Um, There we go. Robin, welcome back. I was just laughing and saying that's what happens when you uh, when you question the Catholic Church. The call drops. That's very funny. That's very funny. Anyway, um, yeah. So so you have to think. Can I be an activist and still believe in something? Sure. Can you hear me? Yeah. By the way, you can believe in yes, freedom. Can you can believe in. Yeah, I can hear you. You can believe in freedom. You can believe in love. You know that. You know you can be passionate. I mean, to me, all the love is coming from the people that are struggling to be heard and to be free. I agree 100%. I also think as an activist, you have to be an optimistic activist. I think when you're involved in activism and you see all of the ugliness in the world, it's very easy to get sort of um, sucked into that ugliness and it becomes your everyday life. And I, no. I think you always have to envision hope and envision what could be uh, in a positive way or or your whole life just becomes becoming enveloped by the crisis, right? Well, yeah, I've, I've never looked at it. I've looked at it as this giant door that's been shut to us and we have to kick it open. And it's a wonderful experience to be able to have passion. Passion is better than Prozac, you know? And so I yeah. didn't ever look at it as, as depressing that we, were, that we had no rights. I looked at it as a challenge. I was put here on earth for a reason, and this is my challenge. And so, you know, um, everybody feels like right now it's very hard on people uh, between inflation and uh, what's happening, you know, with the Republican Party and Trump. And you can look at everything in Ukraine. So everything seems like too much. So I always say if there's a mountain full of shit and it looks like too much for you to handle, if everybody just picks up one teaspoon, we can do it. But we have to do it together. And that's called a movement. Yes. So, 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 you know, we get isolated in thinking that all the responsibility is on us as individuals. It's not. You know, it's, it's a perfect uh, – what's great about activism is you get a chance to join a group. You meet new friends. You get a chance to participate. You don't have to isolate. You don't – you know, I used to say in the 70s people were dancing their way to isolation through a disco beat. And now we think somehow that the iPhone is connecting us. What, what really connects you is the same vision and fighting for that vision. Yes, yes. And if all of us who, whose communities have been oppressed in some way, right, if, if women and, and um, people of different faiths and religions and differently abled people and people in the queer community, if we could all get together and just say we're done, that that would be the end of the patriarchy because there's more of us than there are of them. Even women, right? There are more women on the earth than there are men. If every woman said, this is done, then it would instantly be done. But yet... Yeah, but it's not, um, not going to happen because, we, you know, because most of them have been sold on patriarchal values. So, yeah. so yeah. you know, Phyllis Schlafly, that's what she did. She stopped the ERA. It wasn't really her. The insurance companies were behind her. It was a... It was a huge, uh, a huge pushback by the insurance company using her as a vessel. 
but people had no idea what they were fighting. They were fighting corporations because equality for women is not good for for the bottom end of business. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Am I being being too deep? (laughs) No. Honey, first of all, you can't go too deep on this show. So you just keep Good. going and I'll keep following. I always worry All that right. I'm going to be too deep. So you're fantastic. Um, no, no. Okay. It's, yeah. Scuba I, dive. We, this is a spiritual scuba it. dive. We're That's going good. down. <laughs> yeah. If we get the bends on the way up, I'll, I'll see you in the compression chamber. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. And I think that that is the saddest thing for me about being a woman and being a feminist um, and being a person of a spiritual person is that here I see this solution that could be so easy, but women are so busy sometimes trying to, you know, fight with other women and criticize other women and hold other women back that we could fix the problem to all the things we say we want the answers to, and and yet we're not. And that um, even within the queer community, it makes me very sad when, you know, gays don't like lesbians and they don't like each other and then nobody likes bisexual people and, people like like trans people but sometimes we don't like trans people nobody knows what in the world intersex people are i can stop a train with that word um you know everybody's just if we just all said look we're all in the same boat we all are part of this community even our allies let's all get together and fight as one force of good we could get so much more done but even the inner fighting within within marginalized communities is is so huge right well, because because when you just give people, you have to tell them they all have to share a little bit. So everybody fights, you know, everybody. They, they did a, an experiment, you know, when crabs try to crawl out of a barrel and they pull each other down. So basically, yes. we, we, if, if you're coming from the politics of less rather than more, there's enough for everybody. There's enough joy, equal rights uh, for transgender people whom I love and, and I do under, and totally support as a, as a radical feminist doesn't take away. It's like people, when my, my partner, my late wife, Diane, and I fought for marriage rights, they said somehow we would hurt straight marriage, right? How would we hurt their marriage? The only thing that could hurt straight marriage is divorce. So when, when women yes. who are feminists say trans, trans women will take away women's rights, well, what's that got to do with us? The more the merrier, yeah. you know, trans women will fight for women's rights. So this whole thing about sort of fighting each other or having to argue over the minutia, then you forget the big picture. And the big picture is the Arctic is melting. Uh, global warming is coming much quicker than you, you thought. There's going to be huge migration because people will be unable. There's, there's huge migration at the border. It didn't just happen because people want to come to the States. It's happening because they can't grow their crops. And they can't feed themselves. And the fascism is setting in because of what's happening in the world. And so we're either going to have to pay attention to world problems or there's going to be, a, you know, I, have, I, ha, I used to do a routine. Every 10 years, we should move one country up. So like if this were our ninth year in the States, next year we all move to Canada. And we start over again. <laughs> Canada moves to the Arctic. The Arctic moves to Russia. So right. <laughs> rather than invading other countries, let's just all move every 10 years. And then we have to start again and, you know, learn a new language, get a new job. It'll be fabulous. And we don't have, it'll end war because we don't have to invade anywhere. Russia will be in Ukraine, but then, you know, so whoever borders Russia, 
who borders Russia? There's a huge border. Is it Sweden? Whoever will oh. step into Russia. And that's all. So we just have to, like, you know, it's like musical chairs but with countries. Right, right. No, I, I think that's fantastic. I, I, I dread moving, so it terrifies me. But I do think it's a fantastic idea that we have just, to. Just like I, I believe in discrimination, right? People want to discriminate. So what we'll do is every year we'll pick another astrological sign. This year it'll be Leo's. <laughs> Leo's can't teach school. Leo's can't marry each other. Leo's, you know, Leo's make 59% of the pay. And then the next year it becomes Aries. And that way you only get shit on once every 12 years. And, and during the 11 years where you're not being discriminated, you're nicer to the astrological sign because you know your time is coming. So that's sort of my, my answer to discrimination. It's sort of non-discrimination. It, it crosses age, race, everything. We just get to shit on an astrological sign. Go for it. Yeah, that's great. You know, I, I have what, a theory about what that. What sign are you? What sign I'm are you? I'm Me too. All right. So it's not going to be out. Okay. okay. So it's coming for us next. Now we know it's coming yeah. for us next. <laughs> coming for us next. Where, where, where are you in Aries? When's your birthday? April 8th. Oh, I'm the second, so we're close. Yeah. Yeah. You I kind of feel like uh, it's – I think we're very misunderstood. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's always time to pick on the Aries sometimes. Nah, I don't even care. I don't even I – don't, I never look at what people think of me. You know, April 2nd is next to April 1st, which is April Fool's Day. Yeah. Fool yes. is great. Fools were the people that used to tell the king and queen what was going on, like jesters. Absolutely. But they did it in comedy, yes. hoping they wouldn't be cares. You know, they wouldn't be. Yes. Um, uh, what, what is it called? Yes. Uh, right, Murdered. they're beheaded for telling them. Right, for telling them. So exactly. they used comedy. So jesters are exactly. really like the political weathermen of, to, of of the old days. You know, excuse me, your your, your Majesty, there's an invasion. At the left gate, you know, that's a fool. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yes. Please don't cut off my head or lock me in the tower. Right. Yeah. It's interesting right. what you said about um, what you've been saying about moving every 10 years of countries and the astrological. I've always kind of felt like when a president becomes elected, they should renounce their party. While you are the president... You are the president for the people. You are no longer a Democrat or a Republican. I know that gets kind of dicey when re-election time happens, but while you're in office, you're for the people. And I, I've always felt that way. I know that's probably not a very popular idea, but... Um, well, you're supposed to, but it doesn't matter anyway, because we're a corporocracy. We're run by corporations now. Corporations are in control. And and um, so I, no matter who, I, I would much rather have Biden, then well, I'd rather have an ant than Trump. I mean, I'd rather have anything, my pug, than Trump. But but I'd, I'd rather have a Democrat in office just because uh, over the years they've shown that they don't want to cut Social Security and stuff like that. So I don't yeah. I don't believe they should. You know, I don't, it sounds great to say you represent everybody, but I think uh, the Republican Party is so right-wing now that I don't want them to represent them. Screw them. Screw representation. Yeah. Let represent us, you know. I agree with you 100%. And I think whoever the president is, when they take that oath of office, they are now representing everybody on the earth, uh, everybody in the country, the, the whole country, not just the Democrats, the Republicans, the rich, the poor, 
that is their job. You know, I have this, um, I love, I love Abraham Lincoln. I know he's a Republican, but it's very different back then. Um, I love him so much. And I, one of the things I love about him the most is that he used to open up the White House a couple of days a week and he would just sit there and people would line up and come through and tell him their problems. Like, my husband died. I don't know what to do. Um, I can't make my rent this month. My barn burned down. And he would work to find solutions for all of them. Imagine if that was still a thing, when you, if you could line up and the president would help you through your problems. I think that's the most beautiful thing. I understand that was a different time when, you know, you could get closer to people and then poor Lincoln, what happened to him for going to the theater. But, you know, there's such a... Did you know, did you know that. that Abraham... Did you know that Abraham Lincoln slept in the same bed, a single bed, with another man for eight years? Yep. Yep. You know, Abraham Lincoln was gay. No. I oh, oh, yeah. You, you I, didn't I sleep with your bodyguard in a single bed, yeah. you think? You think? Yeah, well, the interesting yeah. thing about that, right, was that that was his law partner, that when, he, when Abraham Lincoln became president, his law partner shut down his practice to become his bodyguard and then slept in the same bed with him to protect him. Um, no, no, that's, no. That's a love story, yes, right? Think, it's a love story. It, it, no, that's yeah. right. They, they, that was his husband. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. But that's a, that's a sweet story that you would love somebody so much that you would give up your life to go be with them and, and go from lawyer to bodyguard just to unless be with the person that, you no, love. Unless, yeah, unless it were a woman with a man, and then we'd call it patriarchal, and how could she give up everything? Right. You know, I've, right. I've, had, the, I've had the privilege of loving someone like every love story from every movie. I loved someone, Pat Harrison, for 55 years, and I've experienced the depth of that kind of love where you would give up anything, including your life, to save that person, that you love them so yes. much. I'm, I had that. I managed to experience that, and um, so I'm, 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 when I talk about what my greatest achievement is, it's not producing the marches on Washington or the main stages or the women's festivals or the comedy albums, all of the stuff I've done, it was loving Pat Harrison. It was being able to love I, that deeply. I, I, I heard you say that when we did Between the Sheets together, and I was so moved by that. Love is the most important thing in the world, and for you to say that with the success that you've had in the entertainment world and as well-known as you are in the world of activism, for the most important thing in your life to be this beautiful love of this person, I, I can't even tell you um, how that moves me. If I, the world would be a much different place, my friend, if we all thought like that. Or if we all had the opportunity to be able to love. I mean, a lot of times yeah. people don't, you know. Remember when gay people said love is love? That was the best thing that we ever invented, love is love, because it took it off of yeah. sexual politics. And, you know, it's not a movement yeah. from the waist down. We're talking about love. And it brought it up to what it was, and it's about, it's about loving somebody, which is, you know, yeah. a miracle. Yeah, yeah. When did you know with her? When did you know that she was she was your your it person, your forever person, the one everybody looks for? I was I was a female impersonator at the eighty two club. I was the only woman in the show. I did Judy Garland. You had to really sing, you know, the real voice. And I looked down and Beautiful. I saw this woman, and I saw this woman, and she was the most 
I had moved to New York because I thought I'd meet Audrey Hepburn, right? Every All lesbians look like Audrey Hepburn in my little brain. That's because like I saw <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's. And then yeah. when I looked down, there was Audrey Hepburn, except it was Pat Harrison. She looked like her. She had the same haircut. And, uh, uh, but it was Patty. And I walked over. And I walked off stage, and I walked up to her, and I said, I just want you to know that I'm going to marry you and be with you the rest of my life. I didn't know her. And, of course, her lover that she was with, Rachel, didn't take it very well. But uh, that's what happened. I, I just said, that's it. It's, so that's why I don't know. You know, I'm, I don't know if we have past lives or other lives or whatever, but somehow I just walked and I said to this strange woman, it wasn't because she was gorgeous. It was because I knew her. It was like I had yeah. known her for centuries. And I walked in and I said, we're going to be together forever. I've been waiting for you. But Isn't don't that you odd? believe that that's a past life thing? I mean, I really do, that you, your souls have traveled from life to life together, and they will travel again the next time. And, and I never thought about it. Like, right, but yeah. I never thought you about think- it before that. I was a female impersonator. I went to jail for, you know, for, for impersonating a woman. So I, it wasn't like I was a, a deep thinking, you know, I just wanted to get a job. And make $150. So I never thought about the depth of do I know somebody in another life or do we go on? I never yeah. thought. I just thought, can I make a living and, you know, feed myself? And then when I walked over to her, I knew that that was it for the rest of my life. But I wow. never thought about it. Wow. Yeah. Did you, did you, while you were together, did you begin to think things like that? Did you ever have, like, flashes of maybe the two of you in a different time period? No, because we did so much in this life. We stopped a Rams Raider football game. We went to Vietnam and came back and did anti-war shows. We did so much in this life that we didn't have time to think about past lives. But we were so in sync that there had to be something. Do you know what I mean? It was like we were just totally in sync. It doesn't happen. Not just as lovers. You know, we were lovers for 11 years. But for the whole time together, it was like it was history repeating itself. But we never thought about it or dialogued about it. We just, we just, you know, when you're in the movie, you assume it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. We didn't yeah. analyze it. I remember once everybody yeah. was going to go. Everybody was going, the feminist movement, to take on the Salvation Army because they were anti-gay and they were really, you know, women weren't treated well. So we went out. So we went out and we found, <laughs> we found this woman ringing a bell. And instead of, and we said, oh, it's Christmas time. We can't go and protest this woman, Salvation Army, ringing a bell. So instead of protesting, we ended up singing Christmas carols with her and getting on the news. How could we protest? There was one little old woman, you know, with the little, yeah. you know, bucket. So sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to just, on the spur of the moment, know that whatever you were going to do, it's not right, and just sing Silent Night. That's it. By the way, when a woman is in labor, it is... <laughs> When a woman is in labor, it is not a silent night. Obviously, that was written by a man, okay? Yes. Silent night, holy night, oi, you know? <laughs> exactly, all is calm. I said no woman right. was giving a birth baby ever. Right. I do that routine on I'm going to be on this Saturday here in uh, Studio City. Um, I can send it to you. It's their last LGBT program. There's, there's a whole... There's a whole program that's at a church, but it's all gay comics, LGBTIQ, whatever. And uh, it's the last time they're doing it there. Oh, so wow. What church is it at? 
It's, um, I'd have to look it up. It's, it's in Studio City. I'll send it to you. Beautiful. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. How often, how often do you do comedy shows now? You were in Palm Springs recently, weren't you? Or you're about to go? Yeah, I, I, I did. I produced four shows in Palm Springs, and I was one of them. I don't do comedy that often. I, I, I'd rather be a producer than a comic. I'd rather be Barnum than the elephant. So I don't have the need to, like, express myself to humor, except when things are really bad, like now, with, you know, the what's happening and the pushback and everything. I have to get on stage because it's a relief. Because I'm a political comic. Right, right. Absolutely. Do you, um, what do you look for in someone that you produce? Do they, is it, are you, do they have to have talent. a message that resonates with you? No, no. Okay. Talent. Talent. Like I love, um, I don't know if you know Karen Williams. She's, I don't. she's a, a black comic and with a specific point of view. Very brilliant, brilliant comic. I produced her. Fiona Goodwin is a very British lesbian. That's a totally different right. point of view. And then there's right. an Australian one, uh, Jackie Loeb, that I think is brilliant, and she's from Australia. So uh, as long as their point of view is funny and it reflects what they are. I mean, I don't, I hate Dave Chappelle, the fact that he makes fun of, he's not only <laughs> transphobic, but he also said anti-Semitic things in his show. So uh, I'm no fan of, Dave, of yeah. Dave Chappelle. And 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 as much as I don't like him, I don't like his audience even. If, if I turned around and I did the jokes on him and I changed the jokes to being black instead of gay or trans or Jewish, I would be killed because it's not acceptable. Racism is not acceptable. Yet in humor, homophobia still is, transphobia still is, and a little anti-Semitism thrown in is kind of acceptable. So, so I should just take his act and turn it around, and then say it's his act. You know what I mean? So, and yeah. he makes twenty million twenty million dollars. That's what they pay him Netflix for his show. Whereas, who I love and I'm a big fan of is Wanda Sykes. If anybody has Netflix oh, and you and you haven't seen Wanda, she's so funny. Yeah, I think she's wonderful, and I think the new special is wonderful. Yeah, I think she's very. Yes, I think it's. I think it was wonderful. Mm. I think I saw it because you talked about it on Facebook, and I then I saw it uh, on one of my streaming services, and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm gonna watch this for a minute, and then I wound up watching the whole thing. I I think that um, I like comments that are very funny but not at someone else's expense. You don't have to be funny at someone else's Well, it's, it, first of all, if you punch down, it's, it's easy to punch down. Anybody can get a laugh from punching down. The idea is to take on that which oppresses us or bothers us and punch up, and that's right. greatness. Everything else is just, you know, trashy humor. Uh, you know, the sexist jokes. I remember the comedy store. They did a big tribute to the comedy store, the main room, well, mostly it was sexist jokes, rape jokes, you know. So I think that somebody yeah. like Wanda, that my favorite routine of hers was when she was going to the bathroom because that was pushing. Nobody had ever done it before. And this is on her latest special. And I thought just mm-hmm. a woman in a restroom was so funny. No, And it was so specific. I just thought she was brilliant, 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 brilliant. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I love that... Um, 
that you work with Fiona Goodwin, who you know is one of my favorite people. I, I adore her. That she has, a, she brings such a beautiful pathos and heart to her humor. It's like funny, but at the same time, it's also making you feel something. And I, I, I love that as well. When there's a soul well, when I saw the her, when I saw her for the first time, I started to cry when it was over, and I said, "You're the closeted lesbian that I worked all of my life for to bring out." I said, you are the, yeah. you're who I've, I, I, I finally met one person that embodied everything that I was working for by telling her story on, on, on stage. She's, and, and, you know, good comedy also, like Lily Tomlin or uh, great comedy, Charlie Chaplin, they can mix pathos and humor. And that's what yes. Fiona does. Fiona's able to go from pathos and, you know, being going to making it funny that they gave her an exorcism. Can you imagine? Uh, to hum- to being funny. So I think that's what makes yeah. her brilliant. Yeah, she's a, she's a regular guest on all of my shows, and I, um, I love her as a person, and I've always loved having her uh, with me in a creative situation. I just think she's a beautiful uh, spiritual person with a beautiful heart, and I like that when I interview her, she's okay as you are, to bring her heart out for everyone to see and also be right. funny because I think we think those two things are mutually exclusive and they really shouldn't be because I think when you're um, when you're doing comedy or when you're doing a comedic uh, a one woman show that's funny and also moving and also sad at times that's life right life can be tragic right. one minute and then hysterical the next minute and you know I grew up uh, with an, an Irish mother who had been through like everything you can imagine uh, from the depression forward. And she always said, like, we're just going to keep laughing, kids. So no matter how got, bad it got, we found a way to laugh. And that's a, right. a, a healing mechanism. People go to see comics to get a little bit of healing. But I think it's good when they get a little bit of reality with their healing because they walk away with a different perspective. Like you said, instead of just going and the entire thing is just the low ball jokes over and over again. Right. I think the face of comedy is changing. Uh, well, there's different. It depends what decade. I, I used to do a lecture on the history of comedy as it relates to the civil rights movement. And in the 60s, you had, you know, uh, 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 black people fighting back. So we went from Flip Wilson to Richard Pryor and uh, Paul Mooney and people that were, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> able to express their anger through comedy. And in the 70s, you had women's liberation. So you went from, and I love all the women comics. Humor is the most aggressive medium there is. And the only time women were allowed to be humorous is if they turned that aggression on themselves. So we went from that kind of aggression on ourselves, Phyllis Stiller, you know, Fang and all this stuff, and Joan Rivers, all these people who were brilliant, successful comics, but all of a sudden along came Elaine Boozer, who's a brilliant comic and, and a feminist, yeah. and Lotus Weinstock, and, uh, and it switched around. In the 80s, we, we, all of a sudden the gay liberation movement came out, right? So we went from the, the, the I remember playing Catch a Rising Star, and David, not, is it David Letterman? No, it was um, one, of, one, of the, one of the guys that ended up his own TV show. He did, a, excuse me, quote, a faggot joke. And the whole audience there, three quarters of them were gay men to see me. So they stopped them and they said, you can't, you know, get off the stage. And he was backstage crying. And uh, I said, look, 
you can't, it's not funny anymore. No one's going to sit and watch you, you know, do anti-gay jokes. And so, so in the 80s, once, once we became a movement, it, you know, we started to fight back when anybody made fun of us. So, and then, you know what the 90s, the movement were, believe it or not, the right wing. Then you had all of these, um, all of these rednecks. You're a redneck, if, you know, like if you, right. the, all the redneck jokes, because that's what was reflected in the 90s. So it's interesting watching everything reflect what's happening now. And uh, yeah. But the one thing is a comic has to do is tell their truth in order to be good. Even if we don't like that truth, it has to be their truth. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that sometimes comics, whatever the, whatever the current presidential administration is, there'll be a group of comics that will rise up against that. So you found those sort of redneck comics during the Democratic administrations, and you found right. very liberal comics rising up during the very conservative administrations. Right. Well, sometimes having your choice between Democrats and Republicans is like having your choice between syphilis and gonorrhea. So that was that's a joke. And so, so sometimes you have to look and say, what have they accomplished really for me, although I'm a Democrat? But I'm saying, yeah, the anger rises up. I thought the redneck comics were very interesting. And a lot of them did not make fun. They weren't racist or sexist, but they talked about being a redneck and growing up in Appalachia. And, yeah. and it was very, and it was funny, you know. It yeah. was funny. Yeah. They made fun of themselves. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that they gave a more, in doing so, they gave a more human face to that area of the country. I think right. it's really important, and I've seen this a lot, and I talk about this in my, you know, almost 30 years in radio. It's so important that we not become the person that then makes fun of, like, oh, all people from the South are bad. You know, it's very easy to fall into this thing where we as liberal people become stereotypers as well. And it's so important that we don't do that. Lovely places in the South. There are lovely people in the South. Um, there are lovely people in the Midwest. Everybody in a certain region isn't bad. Because that, Robin Wright, just promotes the us and them mentality. And that's how well, we I get used into to, a lot of trouble. I used to produce the Southern Women's Music and Comedy Festival in Georgia, in White County, Georgia, only we called it White, You Better Believe It, County, Georgia. And uh, <laughs> and 2,000 lesbians came, and they were Southern, you know, from the South. And it's, and, and, and different, you know, it's very hard. Uh, the only fight we ever had with them is when one of my West Coast coordinators put garlic in the grits. That was like a second Civil War. But other than that, once they all started, you know, it was – it was very interesting, and 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 we ended up, and I, that became my favorite festival was the Southern Festival. So, um, you know, and from there they started other women's festivals in Mississippi, and they, you know, as as they broke off from the Southern Festival, and and they started them all over in the '80s, which helped organize people. So now there's not, you know, we all want the same things. We, you know, we want safety and equality and whatever. It's just, you know, different accents, same civil rights movement. Yes, I agree, 100%. And 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 my hope is that someday we can evolve enough as a species that we can be unified. And as a country that we can be more unified. I know it seems now like things are getting more divisive. You know, I think there's that Aries optimism, right? We just sometimes... Well, the, we just, the only thing... 
the only thing that's ever unified us was World War II, for instance. And even that, there were a group of fascists here led by a congressman. Uh, Rachel Maddow did a whole uh, series on it that didn't, that didn't want to fight Hitler. But basically, when you have a common enemy or a common goal, you're unified. I don't know if it'll happen anymore in the States because we're basically becoming, we're not, we're not remaining a white country. We're becoming a brown, you know, a brown country. And I think those of us that are, I think those that want to hold on to the 50s to where, we're, you know, where women couldn't have their own credit card and whatever, and it was a white country, I think they're going to hold on like mad to, uh, you know, to, to try to bring it back to that. And, that, and that's half the country. So I think there really is. I would like to say, oh, if we all could only believe together, get over it. We can't. So right. they won't. Right. I think yeah. we're in for the fight of our lives. I hope after that things will begin to get better because I think a lot of things in history ebb and flow, and we're definitely in an ebb I agree. in this country. And I do agree yeah. with you. Let me ask you an odd question, and, and, you know, if it's not okay to answer, tell me no. Um, as, a, as a Jewish person, do you consider yourself to be a person of color? When you say person of color, I don't consider myself to be white. And, but, but when you say person yeah. of color, you think of black and brown. But Jewish is like, and, and the reason I don't consider myself to be white is neither do the proud boys. Do you know what I mean? So we're definitely no, the other. Exactly. We're definitely, yes, yes. Do I, I think of myself as the other. And, um, yeah, because I am, to them, I am the other. So, so yes, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of times we don't have the same discrimination because it's, uh, you know, overt discrimination, like not hiring for a job right. and this or that. Although it's interesting because I'm meeting in the 50s. Did you see Gentleman's Agreement? with Gregory Peck, it was when a reporter who's not Jewish all of a sudden says he's Jewish and everybody changes toward him. This is the 50s. We're not, this yes. is not so yes. long ago, you know. Um, so, uh-huh. no, I, do I think of myself as a person of color? No, although I'm pink. Uh, but I do think of, my, <laughs> I do think of myself as, as the other, you know, because to them I'm the other. Yeah. And I, I'm too yeah. busy running the banks and the... I, I, I'm, I have to hang up now, so I have to go run all the banks and the entertainment industry and uh, the television industry. You know, it's really a busy day for me. So, and that's what they right. think of Jews still, you know. Yes, yes. Well, you know, growing up Irish and um, with my mother growing up in a, in a really a, a slum, an Irish slum in Louisville, Kentucky, during the, war, during the Depression, um, uh-huh. You know, there's a part of growing up that way that you don't you don't you feel other as well. I mean, certainly right. I'm as, if you look, I'm as pale as pale can be. But the history of our people in this country has not been one of acceptance, and it's still um, still there are times when I tell people I'm Irish, and I get that look like, oh, you know, like I've got 20 rusting cars on my lawn, and I have 17 children all with different daddies. Um, you know there is, is that a, what they, there is I didn't I didn't know that's the prejudice against the Irish. Oh God, yeah. I, I just the, thought it, know, I thought the, it was red red hair. Oh no, you know you know in the 1800s yeah. the signs that said no Irish or dogs, and right. uh, Irish need not apply. My my grandfather had an Irish need not apply uh, sign, and he used to say that um, 
you know, in the early part of the of the twentieth century, um, that people would just, you know, what what are we going to do tonight? Oh, you know, let's go let's go out and find a mix. Oh, yeah, there was a definite less than you ever seen gangs of America, uh, gangs of New York. I mean, the Irish immigrants were treated as below everybody on the earth. And so it makes me very angry when I, when people go, Oh, I'm Irish. And then they fill out some, you know, Trumpian rhetoric. And I'm like, wow, you know nothing yeah. about the history of your, because um, many of us were brought over here as indentured servants, which we all know what indentured servant meant in this country, including my ancestors came as indentured servants. So, right. um, it, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's well, we need to think about history. People need to think about history. Well, my, and realize my, ancestors, they, my ancestors weren't allowed to land on the ship. You know, the Exodus, there was the Exodus. So they weren't allowed yes. to even come into the country. And the Canadian prime minister during the war said, if he let one Jew in, that was one Jew too many. Yeah. In Canada. But anyway, yeah. but you know, why just, why let little things get us down? You know, no, I, not, I, 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 I don't think, I think the fact that we've been able to overcome prejudice in our personal lives should make us all the stronger fighting other people's prejudice, I, you know? Uh-huh. I agree 100%. And I think that uh, that's that optimism that I'm talking about. And I don't know about you, but as an Aries, uh, for me, I seem to have an, an incredible ability to reset in hope um, on a regular basis. And I think that... Um, because if we don't, then we're we're lost, right? Hope is what we have to believe that we can be happy in our lives. The world will get better. We will get better. You have to believe. You don't have to be a Pollyanna about it, but you do have to believe that there there is hope and there is there is good times and there is good stuff. And I think it's so important to keep positive. I think I think keeping positive is a privilege. I think that I'm I'm positive, you know, I, and. Uh, because I'd rather be, I mean, I, I would rather, I don't want to be depressed. So I, I look at how many things we've accomplished and what we have. But I think for people that have to work two jobs or three jobs and not feed their kids and all of this other stuff, I don't think we can say yeah. to them, oh, you, if only you had a sunny disposition. I think that, I think we're privileged in that we're able to say, you know, we're able to choose this kind of life. But I also think we need to constantly work at trying to lift other people up because life is very hard on the majority of people now that can't make a living. You can't buy a house anymore. You know, a house in L.A. now, the average house is $750,000. Who the hell makes that kind of money? So I think on one hand, we can be hopeful, but on the other hand, we have to use our privilege to help with their position, to listen. I completely, I completely, you know, the interesting thing is, Robin, that often if you talk to those people, who are working three or four jobs and just scraping by and trying to figure out how they can not pay the electric bill so they can pay the gas bill, they will right. oftentimes tell you about how lucky they are for the things that they have. I think sometimes with privilege comes complacency, and then you start to think about all the things in your life you don't have. Folks that are, that are really in it, struggling and, and present, oftentimes will tell you what's wonderful about their life in the same way that, you know, sometimes somebody will get in an accident, they'll become a quadriplegic and you think, Oh, this person has every reason in the world to be miserable. And they're the one telling you how happy they are to wake up every day. You know, sometimes I think that, um, that, that struggle gives a perspective. 
I think so, but I also think that that I don't know how to say this. We only have a few minutes left. I think that we should. I don't know. I I think it's I think it's great that we can be happy and we can be up and we can be passionate. I don't expect it of everybody else. I you know I just think people need help. Possibly it's because of. I don't know. It's just it would be great if we were Pollyanna, but the fact is a lot of the world is in trouble. So my happiness comes yeah. from trying to help. That's all. It's it's not an abstract thing. All of a sudden I wake up and the life goes on. You know, my 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 well-being comes out of being involved, not just yeah, a light bulb turning on. I agree. That's how you that's how you stay positive, I think. You think about where you can help today. Where can I help today? Right. Where can I help tomorrow? And that's where the hope right. comes from. I agree. Should we end on that? You are wonderful, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Uh where can All people right. find you if people can find you online? They can find me on Facebook. And also if they want to, let me see if I can do this without cutting you off. Um on, if they're in Los Angeles on Saturday, let's see. Uh, on Saturday, remember I said we were going to be at a church. It's going to be yeah. uh, 7:30 p.m. Unitarian Universalist Church of Studio City, 12355 Moore Park Street, Studio City. All right, Studio City. Wonderful. It's in it's in the Valley, and there's no charge to get in. It. It's a whole bunch of LGBTI, whatever, comics, and it's the final show. So come and laugh, get involved, and say hello. I love that. Thank you for being here, my friend. I'd love to have you back. You let me know why, right. and I appreciate doing this with me. Take care. The All wonderful right. Robin Tyler, everybody. Such a joy to have her here. Um, I am Sheena Metal, and I'm at SheenaMetalSpiritual.com. If you missed any of that info that Robin gave out, please feel free to go there everywhere on social media. I'm at Sheena Metal, and um, until I see you next week, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always work to raise your vibration, and know that you are loved, and you are loved, and you're especially loved by me. Uh, RaisingTheVibration.org, that's my nonprofit, and this show, RaisingTheVibrationRadio.com, and of course, Paranormal.com and iHeartRadio.com and all of our affiliates. I'll see you next week on Raising the Vibration. You take care of you. Until then. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.